Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 718. And yes, I know it's been a little time since our last one. That's because, well, I've been on holiday, uh, which, when I come to think of it, is quite a long time since I did that. It was it was something we thought we wanted to do. Um, all power to Jane, my partner, for kind of pushing that one through, because I'm fairly inert when it comes to organising these sort of things. And she found a great place in Spain, never been to Spain before. My daughter had done her A-levels, and the last one was on the Friday, and we went on the Monday, and we just chilled for 10 days and it was proper holiday business and uh, I can thoroughly recommend the area of the Costa Brava we went to which is just north of uh, Lorette de Mar. It's called Tossa de Mar which is a rather sniggery name but it's, it was really nice. Anyway, I'm back now. I'm probably going to be a bit rusty because it's been a while and this is a muscle that you have to use quite frequently <laughs> otherwise you kind of get a bit uh, atrophied and uh, I'm hoping that that's not the case for me. But uh, this is the Music Technology Talk podcast. I want to say uh, we'll be talking about stuff to do with music technology over the next hour or thereabouts and I want to say thank you to our friends over in the YouTube chat hello all you folks there nice to see you maths and battery operated orchestras watching their live stream do check that out um good that they're on their second one and I was saying previously to that that uh, they are actually uh, they're getting there it takes a really long time to uh, to get those muscles where you can be present in the camera but also operating the heavy machinery it takes so good one Chris and Bree uh, and we've got our, uh, uh, our sort of overall discord chat or oh, this is yeah this is everything uh, Buzz and Buzz is posting to the IRC so thanks to everybody for joining us there um, and also thanks to our sponsors uh, of course Isotope still with us and uh, Baby Audio we'll be hearing from them a little bit later but let's get on to a guest we're a bit light on guests but we've got a new guest uh, so which is actually quite a rare occurrence so i want to say hello to uh paulie alex bow uh who is right there um in his uh well you're at work actually aren't you <laughs> i'm at work yeah this is a mental health day center so we've just um i've just finished for the day <laughs> ah, okay. And we were talking just prior to the show where you were doing sort of music therapy and stuff. So it sounds like a really kind of good work that you're doing there. But you're also uh, a musician in your own right, an artist, uh, really into 8-bit stuff and kind of Amiga from what I've, from what I've seen. Yeah. And I, just, I still, I can't, I am not a pattern-based guy. I find it really frustrating sure. and I'm not, I, I guess it takes a certain kind of headset. What, why, if you don't mind me asking, does, what is yeah, it yeah, floating no problem. <laughs> well, actually, I'm a, more like a linear kind of door user. You know, I use Cubase, have done for like, I don't know, 20 years or something like that. Just, you know, um, I'm very comfortable with Cubase. But with the Amiga, you get sort of lots of trackers, of course. That's the main thing. It's, uh, it's uh, you're grimacing there. Are you not a tracker fan? <laughs> uh, well, I, I did. I played with the Polyen tracker, which I think is actually... Sure. An acceptable form of tracking, if I may say. Yes. It's a lovely piece of hardware, and I, I found a way I could interact with it quite quickly. But generally, no, it's sort of pattern-based stuff. It doesn't suit my sure. the way I work. The um, I think the main thing is the sound because the Amiga sound chip is very, very um special. Is that the SID? So it's like, uh, it's Paula. Ah. So Paula is the name of the sound chip, and um. What she does is like 8-bit audio, something like 28 kilohertz, something like that. So it's a little bit crusty, kind of like, you know, those early Akai 612 kind of, you mm. know, sound, fair lights and stuff. But um, you don't actually have to use trackers with it. There's like early software synths that respond to MIDI and stuff like that. So you can actually get a bit of crusty Amiga sound um, 
you know, in, in your modern productions and just maybe run a sample through and just get, a you know, like people do with, with Akai's and stuff like that. Oh, well, they've got um, that sort of vintage think, mode, haven't they? Yeah, they've got sort of where you can it. take advantage of the, uh, of the A to D's and the D2A's. That's it. I think very the other thing was, um, the other thing was it just kind of gave me a little bit of a gimmick, you know, for my music. With my Vogue Grenade stuff, everything's been run through the Amiga or MIDI controlled by the Amiga or something like that. And uh, I'll get all of the bits and I'll, I'll like assemble them in the door at the end of it just for kind of sanity and to add a little bit of, you know, EQ and stuff. But, um, yeah, that's why I love it. That's why I love the sound. So does this mean you have multiple Amigas for running different things through at the same time, or do you just do it, process yes. it once, and then... Re you do, do you? <laughs> I do. I've got, I've got three Amigas, <laughs> which I can... I'll send you some photos of you can share with, with people just to see the kind of um, the fun that goes on. But um, if anyone's interested in it, I did a really long stream with a guy called Amiga Bill um, a couple of months back. If you just search for Paulie Alex Bow Amiga Bill in, on Google, you can kind of see all of the cool stuff we get up to, software synth, sampling. And I think it's a bit archaic. I just like weird, archaic workflows, Nick. I'm a, I'm a glutton for punishment, I think. Makes me feel like a mad scientist, I guess. <laughs> well, that's all right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a mad scientist. I mean, I think many no. of us are really, uh, you know, that is ultimately kind of what we all like to think we are. I mean, obviously we're not, yes. but uh, uh, we like to think we are. So I'm just, just fiddling around with, uh, with my super chat and super stickers because I'm just noticing that there's uh, some, uh, uh, some business going on, some funny stuff going on here. So let me just figure this out. I I'm sure I will. Because I, I wanted to say thanks to uh, Wagyu for um, for the super sticker, but it's not showing up. It's just one of those one of those muscles I haven't flexed for three weeks. You see, and that's the way it goes. Um, sure. So, what are you up to at the moment? I noticed that um, you sent me a couple of pictures, and uh, you've got uh, you did send me this guy, this this, which will look kind of interesting. Arcade dreams. I don't know if this is going to yes. play through. Is that coming out? Yes. Yeah. I don't think that's the um, I don't think that's the link with my music on, but it's um, I'm basically scoring a documentary uh, about a hundred years of arcade games, so that's pretty cool. Um, oh wow! We um, we go through all the way from like the Victorian age, you know, with peers and. Um, where you go to an arcade on the pier or whatever, you see the uh, the fortune teller and it gives you a little fortune. Um, there's also obviously up to the modern day. So we get to go to the, the modern arcades and go to different uh, factories like Stern Pinball and stuff like that. That sounds so, fantastic. Um, it, is, it is fantastic. But I've got to score about 100 years <laughs> worth of styles bit. of music. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's kind of fun, you know. Like, I'll do a di uh, one day. I'll do like a Dixieland thing or whatever. And uh, and this week I've been doing a lot of disco, you know, with octave bass and. <laughs> oh, I know uh, what's going on. Something's playing. There it goes. Uh, I'm hearing that, but I don't think that's coming through. I think the way I've got it, things reaching. That's about quite... Look, Anyone I mean, well, who's interested can just go to just search for Arcade Dreams in um in Google and. 
should let me uh, let me post that link into the uh, show notes and then it should show up in the description and that will probably help this. Well, I mean, because we were talking before the show and I, I mean, I'm I'm I, in my kind of slight, slightly blinkered view. I was thinking Amiga musician, you know, probably like me plays just enough to be able to kind of get by. But actually, you're, you're a jazz pianist by, by uh, at origin, which is... Oh, yeah. W- w- yeah, so, I mean, you, you probably don't struggle from the same kind of... The same kind of, I can't think of another chord that would work in this instance as I do. Uh, do you find that you're... Um, I mean, we also talked a little bit before about the fact that kind of using Amiga and using these other uh, input methods, kind of, you, you felt it less... Yeah constraining in terms of because you always you will always kind of go like with the rest of us do i mean you've probably got a bigger vocabulary uh quarterly uh, but you still go for the same sort of shapes and stuff did you you found that frees you up to be able to use a different sure. technology to- i think i think you can kind of get stuck in certain ways with certain instruments so i i picked up a guitar like you know i've been playing guitar for a long time as well because that's got a lot of shape based stuff you know you move your hands over the the strings and come up with chords you wouldn't usually. Um, but it's the same with samples, isn't it? If you have a couple of samples and pitch them in interesting ways, they're going to kind of intersect in ways that you you wouldn't, like, you know, come up with. Even my autistic jazz piano brain wouldn't come up <laughs> with some of the, right. the chords and results I get, you know. Do you find that that, so, I mean, because um, I've, sp- I've spoken to a couple of uh, classical musicians at uh, various interviews, and one thing that uh, cool. I think that, that that people who've had a formal training of some description suffer from is sort of breaking out of the tyranny of the rules of music. I mean, which are, I mean, there are cool. ways, there, there are many, many, many rules of music, and you can break them, of course, yeah. but wh- when you've been taught by you know, by exercise and by scales and those things, then you yeah. tend to you tend to not deviate from that too much. You've got to be quite strong-willed to be able to sure. kind of completely ignore that. And there, there are few, there are they're still there, and there are plenty of people there. But yes. there, are, there are few people who break out from those uh, those th- those kind of lanes that that training tends to put them in. Right? Yeah, I'd say in that if if you are like a professional musician in the classical world, you you might stay in that that zone and you might not actually need to to come out of it you can get a great career you know just yeah. just um playing just playing read the notes but yeah it was it was never um it was never sort of an issue for me in that although i did have formal music training um i started not doing associated board piano grades which was great what I did was something called the Technics Pop Keyboard course, right? <laughs> it was really 90s. <laughs> and they did teach with notation, but we had a really cool uh, teacher. His name was Sean. So hi, Sean, if you're out there. Um, thanks. And he would use – the keyboards had like arrangers and sequences built in. So he, at the end of the session, would always show us how to sequence a song or something like that. You know, something with just a loop or – something like that he'd like um say um ride on time or something like that he'd put the chords in and say here you go here's a four bar loop i put that in i put the drums in i put the bass in so i had a really good informal music education as well as a a formal one i think as well oh that's great i mean in that yeah. That, yeah, that sounds really good. I mean, we were talking a little bit again before the show because, I mean, you use music in the uh, mental health centre where you're working, the day centre. Yeah. And it, it's a yeah. real sort of, like say, it, I, I think 
many people just don't get the opportunity to feel if they're not musically inclined what you sure. know maybe the only way that they would get those kind of immense feelings of joy and uh, euphoria from chemical means or you know from from things that are perhaps not so good for them whereas you know there is a way to do it with you know I, I, and i fully confess that i don't get it very often either but playing with other people when something magical happens or singing more than yes. one voice in a in a room you know that's incredibly therapeutic because uh, particularly i know certainly with depression and anxiety endorphins that are generated yes. through natural means are really good for the uh, good for you because really it re retrains the pathways because otherwise anxiety could give you very strong endorphin hits because yes. you're freaked out but there's no reason for it you haven't got any phys any real physical kind of reason for that to happen like no. when i i used to suffer from anxiety when i was a lot younger and i used to go mountain biking because it would scare the hell out of me uh, but there was a good oh, reason because i was i would i would be going down a hill really fast or whatever and so it, yeah. it sort of reprogrammed it a little bit so that i got I got those pathways back. So do you find that similarly helpful? Most definitely. I don't think I'd have survived my, my life without music as that outlet. Cause you know, certainly back in the, in the day with autism being undiagnosed, there wasn't really any help for all of the rough edges of life, you know, like potentially bullying or interacting mm. with people or, you know, I had to, um, I think, Kids these days might get some training on how to interact with other kids. I um, just fell in with this really rough kid who taught me the ways of the street, basically. Right. <laughs> it's like a comedy comedy or something. So um, he kind of taught me how to act, how not to act, you know, stuff like that. So, But music was always there as a constant um, in my life. You know, from that first keyboard I had, which... Um, it actually was brilliant. It was a, a Yamaha PSS 570. It had uh, little FM sliders on it. Do you remember them? They were like yeah, two off did it, have, it would have had, the, did it have like, what was the beginnings of the uh, AWM um, uh, FM engine that was in all of those creative sound blasters and stuff? It's probably the similar sure, technology. Yeah. yeah. One of those YM chips. Uh, and you just had, um, I think there was another one, the 390. They were all FM based, but they had presets like Ghosties, which went <laughs> and Golf. If you can ever hear the the Golf preset of a PSS 390, it's hysterical because it goes pop, like it's a golf ball flying off. <laughs> I'm very Japanese. That's, yeah. that's my recommendation for today. Go and seek a PSS 390 and play the Golf preset and just laugh. Okay, well, I mean, there's a lot of there is a lot of comedy factor and value to have in uh, in 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 the the naming conventions and the this would be a good idea to put in the GM spec. <laughs> yeah, bird tweets, typewriters. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. There are some real kind galloping of, uh, horses one. Seashore. I don't remember that one. That sounds. I'd like to hear that. I wonder. I wonder. Yeah, seashore I wonder. Is there, I think we should do some sort of a challenge to update some of the more random and esoteric general MIDI patches, but done in like Diva or, you know, or, or, or Spectrasonics or, you know, that sort yeah, of, I sure. think that could be something that we should do. Um, anyway, I, I, yeah, I agree. Anyway, we do have some news and things. I mean, should probably actually, before we start that, I'll just uh, have a little... Related. 
Yeah, I'll do. I'll 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 have a word from our, our friends over. At, uh, I'm just trying to remember who our friends are. Actually, let me just see. There's a. I have to press a few buttons and then I'll get. Yeah, let's hear from our friends over at Isotope. Uh, Isotope, and we haven't heard from uh, Prince Charles Alexander for nearly three weeks. Isotope Producers Club is a one of a kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level. Once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration-sparking sample packs and preset packs and industry-leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world-renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy-winning producer and engineer, Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. And of course, you can also save, uh, you can save 10% off any Isotope plugin purchase by heading over to uh, uh, isotope.com forward slash Sonic Talk and using the code SONIC10. Here we go. We've got our own special page where they've done a graphic with our podcast on an iPhone and everything. I'm not sure if that's, uh, maybe that is what our, our, our podcast looks like when you listen to it. I'm not sure. But there's lots of deals at the moment, lots of summer deals, and quite often, you can add that set that Sonic 10. You can add that to the already existing deal, so save even more. So uh, I, I'm not sure I'm supposed to tell you that, but uh, yeah, don't tell anyone else. Anyway, uh, I do hope uh, um, you can enjoy uh, some of those uh, Isotope stuff. And uh, thanks very much to them for uh, continued uh, support of the show. Yes, I was going to come to an actual topic now. Uh, not that it's not been fascinating <laughs> from what we've been talking. It really is. I, will fi I find the subject of um, kind of the way that uh, you react to music and the whole kind of cre the, the, the philosophy of creativity. I just find it really interesting. Uh, I, I must do a, a kind of a longer feature on it at some point. So thanks for, uh, for sure. scratching that itch. Uh, okay, so let's go. Uh, what's our first thing? Ah, uh, here we go. Well, hello, everybody. Today, we're here with Andy Mack again. Last time we saw you in Berlin. That's right. With the 2.1 uh, uh, update is, for the MPC OS. And yeah. now, we missed it. This, actually, what's this? this was... It's a blooming keyboard, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, so this has been um, a big announcement for us. This is the MPC Key 61. Right. Um, it certainly is. I mean, it's a long video. We did a video with Andy Matt, came down. Thanks to Akai for giving us the exclusive. We managed to get that out on the day. In fact, I, I was driving around looking for a mobile signal uh, in the mountains in, <laughs> in Spain <laughs> to be able to publish it on time. Uh, and I got my time difference wrong, so I really blew the day because I thought I was doing it at two and I actually had to do it at four. So I wasted two whole hours of a precious holiday day. But anyway, it got there. This is big news. The Akai MPC Key 61. I mean, as we know, I mean, it seems like almost anything with the words MPC in them. I mean, they, they always do really well. Uh, people seem to have an endless interest in them. So obviously, you know, they're, they're big, bigging up and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the MPC Key 61 is a really interesting new development. On the face of it, it might not seem much. And because essentially it's the same as the MPC Live 2 inside, it's got, apart from it's got four gigs of extra RAM, but because it's got a keyboard built in, the relationship you have with it is much more immediately keyboard-based because obviously previously it's all pad-based and that's fine. You can plug a USB class compliant keyboard in and, and, and 
pretty much get where you need to go the same way. But there's something about having it in the same unit that suddenly it's oh, like, no. oh, it's like a W30. It's like a EPN. And it makes you realize that there are very few or have been very few sam sampling workstations. I mean, this will do virtual synths as well. But there are very yeah. few sampling workstations. I know Akai haven't done one for, you know, since 1980-something. So this is actually quite a big deal. I, mean, I don't know whether you, well, you're a keyboard player. So I don't know whether you're yeah. a pads person or whether keyboards, you know, you still reach. But this feels like it could be a very useful unit for playing live at the very least. Most definitely. I mean, I am pretty sampler obsessed, I've got to say. And <laughs> and kind of quirky, quirky samplers as well, you know, like the N-Sonic um, EPS-16, V-Synth. Um, I've got a Nautilus, which does a lot of sampling, you know, like the Kronos. Yeah. So this looks actually really quite interesting to me as kind of a, a, a keyboardist for kind of live playing. If I didn't already have that covered, because it's got a ridiculous amount of memory, hasn't it? Isn't it like well, I mean, like it, 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 it seems ridiculous. I mean, you've got SSD in there, and you can expand that, so you can yeah. have all the stuff. Uh, it, uh, four gigs of RAM for playback. It makes more sense that they up the RAM yes. in there because, generally speaking, I mean, and this is generally speaking, you might be using yeah. the MPC for triggering loops and smaller one-shots, whereas this, yes. you might have entire key groups and stuff. I'm not quite yes. sure. There seems to be a little bit of confusion as to what comes with it. It comes with 2.11, and there are a whole bunch of soft okay. synth and new stuff in there, but I don't know, and I didn't really... I wasn't wasn't clear of this at the time, but I'm not sure if you have to pay extra for all these extra instruments to sort of fully load it with sure. the piano and all that stuff, which might be a little bit of a, um, a turn-off. There's one called Hype, isn't there? Which looks quite an interesting, I think it's VA plus FM plus sample mm. based plugin for this system. So it looks like there's plenty to play with in there. Um, there was something else I kind of noticed as well. Where was it? The CV out, isn't there? Yes, there is. is there's there like uh, eight, eight discrete CV gate outs. Yes, that's also true. Let me see if I can find that. I've got the uh, which is really good in a in a mainly digital instrument to have. That. Yeah, well, it, that that goes alongside with the the other MPC stuff. It's got the same vibe. Let me see if I can find an yeah. actual picture of it here. Uh, uh, features, specs, down. Oh, if we go to this, this is a picture of, uh, I've forgotten what his name is, but so um, yeah, we got eight outputs, uh, four audio outputs plus eight CV gates. Oh, there's Mike Patrick's top chat and, and pads. That's the thing that makes it pads. sort of different because you've got pads. And I suppose the thing is because you can use it for sequencing, you can use it for playing back stems and stuff. The one thing that it didn't have, yeah. which I, I should have pressed Andy Mack on, was because the Force now has disc streaming, so you can play stems mm. from it, which means, you know, you could definitely use this in terms of loading up backing tracks and playing along with them and having your key splits and everything, as well yes. as some backing track with some uh, uh, audio outputs. I mean, the other thing that you've got to bear in mind is that... Um, if you plug a class-compliant audio interface into it, you can expand the outputs. And I, I'm, I can't remember if that wow. is if that's in addition to the CV outs or whether it just takes it replaces any of the audio outs. But if you needed kind of you know yeah. multiple stem outs, if you need eight outs, say four stereo pairs or kicks and snare, you, with a class-compliant thing, you can because essentially it's a Linux computer in there with all of that stuff. Yes. What fantastic live possibilities that would be. But also, I guess, um, if someone wants to keep it simple in their studio and just buy one instrument, 
That yeah, person isn't that... me, by the way. I like loads of weird stuff around. But if, I, if you yeah. want to keep things streamlined... I agree. I mean, sometimes, you know, there is this sort of obsession with the sort of one thing that does it all, but there's something to be said from about, you know, okay, I don't really want to be glued to this one thing for like eight or more hours. I want sometimes to be over here to do some stuff. Yeah. I want, oops, I've unplugged my headphones. You know, I want to, I want to do, I want to be able to move around and I think it's probably healthy. So there is a certain yes. amount of that going on, but the, certainly for live, I could, uh, I could see how this would really make sense to kind of, uh, to bring it all together. And I, I, I would yeah. like, I, I think the thing is with Andy Mack, I mean, he is the arch demo guy. And whenever he does it, you just say, God, that looks so easy. It looks like even I could do it, you know, but I don't know how much finesse there is, you know, how much, whether the touchscreen, how responsive the touchscreen is, how, how, yes. how fluent you get, how quickly, because he's a great player and he obviously knows it inside out and probably requested many of those features himself. So, but sure. uh, yeah, Interesting. I don't know. Um, I, I, you were talking about older samplers as well. Did you ever have a Mirage? And Didn't Sonic have Mirage. a Mirage. Um, that's another one which has a bit of a crusty sound like the, oh, beautiful. the Amiga 2, isn't it? But it's but also got, got Kurt, Curtis filters in it as well. So Yes. I've got a, um, and it was in the manual, I've got a Gotherman Polyspace, which is a very unique polyphonic kind of sampler. And... Um, there's a there's a thing you can do to convert Mirage samples to that. So I have oh. converted a few, and I think even if you can't get yourself a Mirage, checking out the library, because uh, it's all available online, is really good. Because a lot of the, although you don't get the Curtis filters, a lot of the, um, the character mm. uh, and the kind of samples can come through if you just, like, nab that library online and then, you know, use it in your arrangements. Worth a try. Um, my first sampler was, Worth in fact, a Mirage. Uh, and I do remember, uh, I got it, I bought it from someone in Chichester, I think. I had to drive miles and miles and miles, and it came in a flight case, and it was one of the original DSK nice. ones, the black ones. Yeah. And uh, because it had, you know, basically a two-character hexadecimal display, and there was a, yeah. a, something called uh, Massos, which was Mirage, Mirage Advanced Sampling Operating System. And yeah. it came with a book like this thick, and it cost a fiver. <laughs> on top of it, it came on a floppy disk. So you'd load your samples, then you had to put the disk in to load the, uh, the functions from the disk to then perform these things on the functions, take the disk out again, and put the other disk in to save the things that you did. I can't Beautiful. remember the stuff it had. It was like, I think it had th advanced things like crossfade samples, which... When you're doing yes. it in, in a two-character hexadecimal display with with no f data slider, it was all up and down arrow keys. <laughs> it was pretty, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was pretty challenging. But the sound my, of it, I remember um, the, my the pianos oldest, were lovely. Yeah. My oldest sampler is the Korg DSS-1. Huge okay. beast, the Korg DSS-1. 256K of RAM. So that's got a slightly bigger screen, but it does have that thing of taking disks in and out or using yeah. a GoTech drive now. Of um of saving your sample, then saving your multi sample, then loading something else, and and finally you get to synthesize and play with the the filters. Yeah, eventually, but <laughs> eventually you get to make some music. And but I've, um there was a Talk um up. there was a Korg uh, promotional event probably about a year ago, and I I was hassling Luke to tell him to reissue the the Korg DSS one, but make it a bit um friendlier because the filters in it are just absolutely out of the this world you know um same filters as the dw8000 
I wonder what they were. Without, what I wonder what kind they were. The NJM something. Okay, I didn't know that. I mean, a lot of these older samplers can be really kind of uh, just rejuvenated just by having uh, like an SD card reader. Well, it's bizarre, isn't it? You can yeah. get an SD card that's got all the libraries ever made on one of them. That's it. Stick it in there. And that's, I don't know. I, I know how sure I feel about that because sometimes I, I mean, I remember things like, you know, trying to come up with faster ways to get stuff in and out, like uh, the MIDI sample dump standard, which was supposed to be the, sure. the, 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 the but actually it was slower than floppies. I think. Yes. Uh, and, I still know, use but it, it sometimes. Do you? Yeah. Um, for for importing trans waves into my Ensonic wave from a program called Sample Ranch, either on the PC or Amiga, you can right. use MIDI Sample Jump. And yeah, for like a, a 20K file, it takes a good minute or something just chugging along <laughs> it's funny actually because i i was taught i remember electron but prior to quite, quite up until quite recently all of their stuff all of their samples were saved yeah. using some some derivative of the midi sample dump standard to to their drives which made it which is why it was so difficult to kind of uh, cross you know save and export and stuff uh, i think that's been yeah. changed now but i remember uh finding that out and sort of chuckling a bit because that was that was only you know maybe five years ago they were still using that which is <laughs> insane isn't it absolutely insane. It i'm is. sure if dave smith if dave smith would uh, knew knew that the midi sample dump starter was still in uh, full effect which is of course by his fabulous midi transport rest his soul I know. he'd be chuckling uh, uh, chuckling with his tequila um anyway yeah great fun um all right let's see so uh, what else have we got oh yeah i found this other piece oh, what's the time yeah let's do this one now uh this is now i, I find the actual uh let's find that one yeah so this is yamaha n1x a1x a1 an1x what am i talking about yes uh, this is a brilliant one. this is a brilliant uh uh demo by retrosyn retrosound and that, the reason that we're showing this is because there's this sort of uh, rumor uh, AN, ANX trademark registration new Yamaha synth in the works which is a, a piece by uh, synth anatomy uh, I'll just that's why we're talking about the fact you, you mentioned this, but I don't really know much about the ANX so let's let's just we'll throw that page up there um, basically there's you know yes. uh, Yamaha's registered the trademark ANX for in the music instruments section and could you know could it be mean that we've got a new ANX <laughs> type synth synth engine and i remember people get people got really kind of misty-eyed and and and, and kind of uh, reminiscing about this this was almost i think some people consider this i don't you may be one of them uh, as, sure. as sort of almost the the last great synthesizer that wasn't a kind of a weird industrial design sort of menu fest <laughs> would you would you would you agree um I think that they, of, of course, it's not the easiest synth to use the A1X. Um, it's not bad, but there's only sort of 10, 10 knobs or something like that. So you, you do have a bit of paging, but it does seem to be one of Yamaha's last kind of knobby synths that they did, um, along with the, the CS1X and the CS2X, which used a similar uh, casing. Um, but I think it's still loved today because it still sounds incredible. Um, right. It's the first, first non-rompler kind of based synth I ever owned. And I learned a lot from it because it has your 2 OSC structure. It has multi-mode 
filters. It has a few effects built in and it has um, a se sequencer with one lane of parameter automation, which isn't a lot compared to like your electron stuff these days. But when you consider it when it was made, that's a quite a groundbreaking concept. Yeah, 16 step sequencer, but you could assign multiple things to that one parameter. So it, it kind so I started making sort of very rhythmic patches to, you know, bring in noise on one of the things to make a snare and shape the, mm. the envelopes. It just taught me so much about synthesis. Um, and as I said, it, it's that era of Yamaha. There's something about their filters, especially like on the, the, you know, starting from the size 77 um, all the way up to the AN1X. There just seems something absolutely beautiful about their filters, very musical. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's if it's their heritage in the CS series because they they made very musical filters back then, didn't they? They didn't sound yeah, like Yeah, well, they, they, they were very different. I mean, I've got a CS15, uh, and it's yeah. definitely quite unique. I mean, it was a bit poorly, I, I think. I think I've still got it. Maybe I said, oh, somewhere. That's a good question. I wonder where it is. Maybe it's maybe it's with being fixed somewhere. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it sure. sounds. It's really interesting because it's all about perception. Because I, I, you know, I used to do a lot of remixing, and it would be it would be the last thing yes. I would reach for if I wanted anything big sounding. But when I come yeah. back to it, which is really curious, I used to favour the Monopoly because I have a Monopoly, and that was my. Uh, that, I used to get the bass sounds I needed out of it. Shall we say? Uh, but when I brought them back up, because I do these Friday synth jams occasionally and I wheel out an old synth, and I brought the Monopoly up and I just went, oh, that's really not what I remember. Didn't It really didn't have, because I've got bigger speakers and I can hear more frequencies yes. in this room. And then I brought the Yamaha CS15 up and it was like, wow, that sounds amazing. How did I not know? I mean, what was it that was... Sure. I just don't understand why I perceived ones being so much better than the other. It really doesn't make any Again, sense to me. Maybe it was my monitoring. I just don't know. It's a very curious it phenomenon. It could have been. Um, I've got one friend um, I did some work with called Jurgen, who's in a band called Decrups, very sort of old school. German industrial band bangs metal pipes and he swears by the CS15. He loves it. And I think it's just for adding in an extra element, you know, an extra unique element. But um, can I make a prediction about what this ANX? Might oh yeah, be? go on. Yeah, let's hear it. I think it might be another engine for montage slash Modix, the synths maybe because they've got oh, the okay. FMX and they've got the AM. AWM engine, AWMX, is that what it's called? Um, I think it could be an extra engine to round out those instruments, potentially, rather than right. a standalone synth. Although which kind of, yeah, okay, always... that, uh, which kind of takes the, the new Japanese uh, bit or sort of large corporation model, certainly what Roland and both Yamaha are doing, sure. is they, they, built, they built the platform and then they just kind of bring in yeah. new modules to it in the same way that Roland will talk about that in a bit, are doing with the cloud. Sure. So maybe, yeah, you may well be right there. I, I, I was sort of joking with you pre-show that it was actually uh, just going to be something really not what people wanted or expected because and, and we have this thing i mean yamaha stuff sounds um the, the, don't get me wrong yamaha stuff sounds i did a modi x kind of i had it for a here for a while and it yeah. sounded fantastic i found it a little bit friction too much friction to use creatively i mean you have to invest sure. a lot of time in it which is fine as you do with most complex instruments yeah. but it's curious that a nation uh, that is sort of 
their cultural heritage is feng shui and this all the beauty in yes. in design and yet most of the things they make and this goes for roland as well um yeah it's not beautiful it's just functional and utilitarian it's a really strange strange i don't know how that happens the um yamaha at least have done some stuff with their previous an engine um and made it kind of knobby or things like that. You could get the PLG cards, for instance. And if you put it in a motif, you don't get knobs. But if you put it in um, the little AN desktop, AN200, was it? Oh, you got, yeah, you yeah. got the knobs. So it kind of, it could be a sound engine that they could plonk in montage, but then also do a little standalone instrument, potentially. Um, Maybe they will. I, I, I'm curious. I, I think they're so massively the, the montage. They've still got some some way to go with the montage yeah, engine. Definitely. It's like Roland and the the garage full of D beams that they still had to put on all their instruments for such a long time. <laughs> it's sort of it works, doesn't it? I mean, it's kind of you could just sort of a room full of people all doing this. It's sort of ravey, you know. I could see where. Yeah, yeah. I'm sounding a bit like that. Uh, I, I have now. to put my V synth on the top of a six tier keyboard stand because it's. Um, because otherwise the D-beam gets kind of a... Triggered. With. <laughs> <laughs> you put any I'm tape on it or anything? <laughs> For God's sake, don't put the D-beam down there. <laughs> the D don't interfere with It'll the D-beam. No, that's brilliant. D -beam that's brilliant. But no, um, the the other thing is, um, yeah, I, um, I think that um, Korg showed that you could have your workstation with different engines, you know, like Nautilus, Kronos. And now they're selling some cheaper little synths, like um, obviously not that cheap, but you've got Wave State, you've got um, yeah, Opsix, Modwave. So maybe Yamaha could potentially at some point give us something interesting. That's a bit more than the Reface series, which are kind of fun and good for someone who wants a, a bit of sound but maybe they could give us something smaller with a lot of depth to it. It's interesting about the Reface, because I, I, I assumed, uh, given the public reaction to them at the time, where everybody yeah. was really disappointed it wasn't actually, you know, a proper a proper synth. No. But And, and it feels like, you know, when, you, when you're confronted with them and you just go, oh, they're just... But when you play with them, they are amazing. And yeah. they're really fantastically yeah. well-built. The piano one yeah. and the... Uh, uh, the, the I, I forgot what the, the synth one is. They and I spoke when I, we, we, yeah we went to Japan and I did a couple of synth jams in there in in one of their studios with that and a few and it was such good fun and they told me at yes. the time they were still unable to make enough of them for demand yeah which is surprising yeah. isn't it it's weird isn't it I mean whereas you know many people say oh they're just they're nothing special but now you can't sure. you, you, they're very hard to come by because and I, I, maybe your supply yeah. because supply chains are different now but. Yeah, they're also good learning synths, though, aren't they? You can actually tactile grab things um, in order to to kind of learn. But I think for a lot of us, kind of more um, advanced synth users, we wanted those renders that are funded. Do you remember he did a, a DX10, a, an A A AN10, and a VL10? Uh, oh, no, I didn't see those. That, sounds, that sounds promising. And they were incredible looking, and we were like, make them Yamaha, but they didn't. <laughs> That's right. 
Uh, Lady Attitude said Yam Yamaha reface palm, which I thought was a kind of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which which at the time it did for. But on reflection, you know, I, I would really quite like uh, the the reface piano now because I love the sound. It's very sound designy and very kind of good fun to make. Um, I should probably have a, a a little word from our friends over at uh, Baby Audio because they are also uh, supporters of the podcast. So we'll just throw that one in there now, and uh, thank you very much to them. Of course, Baby Audio makes creative effect plugins designed to add colour and depth to your mixes. They won Plugin of the Year 2021 and Future Music and Compute Music and nominated for the SOS Awards two years in a row. In fact, you might want to try out Tape. This is T-A-I-P. It's an AI model tape simulation plugin based on the Studio A8 A80 and a tape emulation plugin that uses AI to decipher the quirks and behaviour around long tape. In fact, if you do decide that one of these plugins is for you, if you get 15% off when checking out with the code ST15, and that is uh, exclusive to Sonic Talk listeners. Once again, we thank them for their support and for offering that to our listeners. Gosh, it all feels almost felt like a professional. I haven't fluffed my ad slots yet, which is the, usually the first thing to go when I haven't done this for a while. So, you know, must be you must be having a good influence on me, Paulie. Uh, okay, what's next? Um, oh, I've got to scroll back a bit. So, yeah, the, uh, yeah, we should look at this, actually. The Roland uh, Jupiter 4 Cloud, because that was also mentioned. I think I have. In fact, um, yes. I did mention this. Uh, so we'll play that now, and I'll just throw that up. This is the new Jupiter 4 Cloud, which is an interesting... Uh, let me find that. I think I've actually got that. This is Jim Hayward, who's done a sounds-only demo for us. Very Vangelis. This is actually... He's using the System 8 to use to play the plug-in version, but it also runs as a plug-out on the System 8. And we was discussing prior to the show, the System 8 feels like it could be a real sweet spot because it's got three DSP chips uh, in it. Uh, and the Phantom's got four, whereas um, uh, the Jupiter X uh, has, I think, two. I, I know that. I know that but yeah, it sounds lovely. And this is the new cloud, so if I bring yes. this up here. I used to have a Jupiter uh, 4. It was my first polysynth, and I used to gig it. And I used to have to take the, uh, open it up and tune the oscillators uh, regularly because they would go out of tune. Uh, this is available. It's available for cloud... It's uh, $199 to buy, which seems a little pricey, uh, but it will also run as a plug-in on the System 8, all part of the cloud. But you'll need either a Pro Sub, which is $999, and you can activate two synths. I think that's not lifetime. I think you can change which ones you want. Or the Ultimate is $19.99 a month, so it's very much tied yeah. to their cloud. I mean, Roland are really starting to put the pressure on now for your subscription cash, because they're adding so many they more are. things. And people are starting to go, you know, these sound pretty good. And we were talking earlier about the idea that, you know, this Zencore synth engine is kind of the code yes. base will run in so many things D have you ever played with a jupiter 4 is that something that you uh do you the, G the jupiter 4 is an instrument i've never played i would love to because um you know some since friends tell me they the first time they played a jupiter 4 they kind of cried at the beauty of it so <laughs> i'd love to i'd love to try it but i, I did i did have a go on a pro mars once which is Very similar looking yeah yeah I think it's got a sort of similar topology. I think they've both got things like audio rate LFOs in, which are quite useful for getting some kind of effect sounds. But um, some of my favorite songs use like Jupiter 4s and stuff like that. I know there's obvious ones, like I think Rio from Duran Duran has a Jupiter 4 in doing its little um, random arp. I might oh, be wrong. Okay. I but, know, I know. It might be. I thought they were eight users. I think they're maybe eight because I'm pretty sure. Okay. 
I'm not sure. You might be right. I... Um, but I think Thomas Dolby used the Jupiter yes. 4 quite a bit on one of my favourite songs out there, Leipzig, which is an absolutely amazing song by Thomas Dolby and um, uh, just absolutely incredible. And it kind of used the um, the Jupiter 4 and a load of the sounds in that. Um, just a very big epic track, you know, that's quite moody and... Um, and uh, really gives you an atmosphere. So there's there's no doubt in my mind that it must be a very special, massive sounding synthesizer. Um, yes, I, I I have to apologise. You were correct about Jupiter Four. Nick Howes in the chat room has confirmed that. I'm, I'm I do apologise for, for that. That's okay. Don't uh, correct me. On oh look, the only <laughs> thing I'm disappointed the the only thing I'm disappointed with is. Is basically the buttons that the, there used to be eight memories on the original, and then those coloured buttons would be would have been like trumpet, tuba, trumpet, violin, viola, and and that sort. And, and sort of, I can't remember what they were, but I I do remember those. Yeah. Uh, that's the classic kind of what were they thinking? Uh, era defining sort oh, of patches. Okay. Yeah, home organ. Well, and as as we know that Roland's uh, initial sort of ethos for designing synthesizers was to recreate some of the instruments and and have uh, uh, emulations of these things, which is why I think there's the yes. same. But there's the same button set. I think it was the what was the, the was it the JP eighty the the one that they brought out that everybody thought was was horrified the first the first new Jupiter yeah, and that had the kind of cheaper Trump yeah and that that had those buttons in it as well. So I suppose it's uh, I feel it in software you could put them there would be all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be fine. But I think the last preset is something called the Force. I think on the Jupiter maybe 4. right yeah. Remembering, and it's a sort of weird synthy sound, but um, you kind of you kind of lost those presets if you use the IO expansion, which was a MIDI controllable Jupiter Four kit. Ah, um, oh, no, I read about sometime okay. last decade. I don't think you can get them anymore. My, um, well, it's before my time. I, I, my my time was before MIDI, or certainly before I was. I used to play it live. Yeah. And I remember I would do these things where I'd play some notes and then I'd have this kind of, I'd press the buttons in and I'd have an arpeggiator. I remember I was going, and you know, and everybody was really impressed. It was thought I was some kind of keyboard whiz, but it was literally just kind of arpeggiator, not arpeggiator, arpeggiator, not arpeggiator. But I remember it used to go out of tune. And when you lift the lid on that thing, it's got this kind of very sharp edge. And I remember it was up and Ooh. I was tuning it with um, whatever the, the thing I had and it fell. I remember the edge fell right there on my hand and it really punctured that. It was absolute bloody agony. That was just prior to a gig. So uh, um, I, I, mean, it's, me. fact, I, I couldn't really play that much anyway, but that was my polysynth of choice at the time. I think after that, it was a, I probably yeah, sold it and bought a DX21. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. So many people feel... sold analogs and bought DXs, didn't they? Never yeah. mind. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't help. I, I can't really help that. It's just the way it goes. Uh, let's have a look. What else have we got in there? There are a couple of interesting ones as well, which, uh, yes. let me see. What was I? Uh, a couple of reverbs coming up. Uh, this is the uh, Clevgrand Phosphat. Oh, no, that's not it. It's the uh, the Soft Tube Wasted Space. I think I've got Wasted. a video. This is an interesting one. This is a low geared towards small crappy <laughs> yes. 
Which is really weird. I mean, I, I, I'm not, it's funny. I think I've become immune to reverbs that aren't sure. massive pitch no. modulated algorithmic reverbs because that's when I hear a reverb and I always remember doing this at the time when I used to do a lot of sound, live sound uh, I, I would use crappy uh, reverbs like this because you could hear them yes. in the mix properly and when someone yeah. would turn up and say hey try this lexicon I'd be kind of like but I'd have to say so much send into it because it was so yes. beautiful and finesse it just wouldn't wouldn't po it was you couldn't hear it properly but this right. is it's 35 bucks uh, I, 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 want, I just wonder if I've become deaf to anything under five seconds I've got written here but this does look good soft oh. kicking it again Definitely. I love a, a lo-fi verb. I've got a couple in hardware. Um, they're both um, circuit bent reverbs. One, um, one was circuit bent by a guy who's actually changed his name to Circuit Ben. I don't kid you. <laughs> as, in, and, what, um, as, as in Sir Kit. If, if no, he gets no, knighted, circuit. he could be Sir Kit. Circuit? <laughs> Mr. Circuit Ben. He's awesome. <laughs> and uh, it was... Uh, one of them's a Yamaha Rex 50, which is a little desktop oh, SCX90. Yeah. That's a multi-effects, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. He's clocked it so you so you can turn it down, turn turn down the CPU or whatever, so it's um <laughs> incredibly slow. So you get these very grainy reverbs. And the other one is a Korg, uh, the original uh Chaos Pad KP1. Right. That that circuitbenders.co.uk circuit bent for me again variable clock on it so you can turn it really really low down and get very um grainy angular kind of a lo-fi reverb so it is a sound that that can be quite useful i think in a mix it gives some character and uh i'm i'd be quite interested in trying this this reverb out yeah i mean it's it's, it's you know like i say it and costs I'm a bit odd. Cost it doesn't you know doesn't cost much. It looks like a nice simple. I guess it's uh, yeah. may have some MIDI. Yeah, wasted space. Thirty five euros at the moment. Uh, down Ooh. from fifty nine. Which you know is what's that? That's a night out, isn't it? You know, buying it your is. own drinks, let alone anybody else's. So you know that's, <laughs> that seems pretty reasonable. Uh, I have to check that out. Okay, yeah, SoftTube do some really good stuff. Actually, they they are very meticulous with their software. Anyway, I thought that was kind of fun. Ooh. But then there's another one which is kind of. The opposite, which is more in the uh, algorithm. This is the, uh, let me see if I get this, the Cherry Algorithmic Reverb, which is, uh, is it this one? Yeah, this looks like, this is it, yes. AMS doesn't terribly stereo in this, but uh, it's modulated out of This is more my world. One thing I quite like about it is uh, we've got separate modulation control on the side of the duck. The duck is Which is, uh, could be quite useful if you've got some uh, attenuation recovery time. Which again is quite a modern sound, even though this isn't. But this is all sounding quite bit crushed and whatnot. So, yeah, that's the Cherry Audio Galactic. I mean, the Cherry Audio are just smashing out <laughs> plugins like left, right, and centre. Uh, sure, it's good having place. Great. You like that? I like that. I love a modulated verb. Um, you know, like Lexicon were, of course, the first to really nail that modulated verb sound, but um, it's it just really adds depth to whatever you put through it, doesn't it? Just a nice modulated uh, tail on it. And one that... Um, 
one that I use a lot is just a free VST. It's called Omniverb. Um, it's like a really quite old VST now, but it's got it's got modulation on the tail and quite ah, a decent okay. gated mode. So if anyone wants a freebie pick, um, Omniverb is a really good free VST. But that sounded super, um, you know, um, super modulated. <laughs> Super modulated, super lush, and quite. Um, I couldn't really detect much graininess, so it's a lot classier, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I don't know much. Let's have a look. What's there any sort of details about it? There's uh, uh, authentically modeled classic reverb, damping, control, pre delay, uh, ducking, EQ, uh, insert or bus, mono, mono stereo, preset browser. Let's see, AU, VST3, uh, VST, AAX, and standalone. Oh, that's interesting. Demo, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, yeah, okay, it looks like it'll run. Uh, Mac OS 10.9, uh, Apple native M1 processor support, which is also nice to see. So, yeah, I mean, they right. kind of, yeah, it looks like for 19 bucks, I might have a look at that. I mean, it's yeah. not like I haven't got enough reverb in my life. I've, I've got plenty. I've, um, the, I just got a, a poly Bebo or poly digit um, IR, impulse response reverb pedal. But oh, it's right. also like a modular environment as well. So you've got filters, things like that. So I've been having fun using, uh, making my own impulse responses. And one of my best ones was a, um, I got a speech synthesizer in whisper mode. So, you know, kind of a speech synthesizer that sounds a bit like Stephen Hawking or something like yeah. that. In whisper mode, they replace it with white noise. So I, I basically got this creepy sample of this synthetic right and i use that as the impulse response and then whatever i run through the guitar or pads or whatever kind of whisper help me in this really <laughs> eerie way so i've got to use that somewhere i don't think that arcade dreams bright and fun is the quite quite right project for that reverb maybe i'll i'll get a horror soundtrack gig or something like that next that sounds, I mean, because I, I do like, um, this is the one thing that, um, I mean, a few companies do it. I know Bitwigs, uh, you could drop kind of pretty much anything in their impulse response, yes. wabs or whatever. It doesn't have to be a specific impulse response. And I think Logic, you can do that in the uh, the built-in. And I'm sure there are others. But I've not heard about yes. that in hardware. That's interesting. And how do you transfer that across? Is it just like an SD card? or It's USB just stick? USB stick with a WAV file. And does it take long to load up and analyze, or is it kind of no, pretty instant? No, it doesn't. It's it's pretty much instantaneous. It's got a limit on it. I think the the um, the responses can only go up to five seconds, but you can stretch chain out. two of them, for instance. Oh, you know, what's you it use called? More CPU. Uh, it's called Poly, the company P O L Y, yeah. and then the name of the pedal is called Digit, I think, or it's called Bebo, maybe Bebo or Digit. Digit um, versus and Bebo. they've released a Euro rack called Hector now. So Poly oh, Hector is the Euro rack version. There they are. The pink one's my one because inevitably, um, inevitably. <laughs> that's fantastic. Okay. But yeah, they do. And it, oh right, so it's, a, it's a, like a pedal. Uh, right, gotcha. It's like um, it's also a, a modular environment. Say like you know. The old yeah. mod module or whatever, dragging modules to get, or VCV. Or like Empress Effects, the Zoya kind of thing, yeah. Yes, it's an easier to use Zoya. From what right. I hear, the Zoya is a little bit tricky, but this is a touchscreen, so I haven't actually used the Zoya. Looks though, more so like the 1010 like 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 10, 10, 10 music. Yeah, it looks more like the 1010 10 music thing, actually, more in that yeah. sort of area. Oh, nice or, tip. Yeah. 
It's really, really good, really high quality. And you can always chain an algorithmic reverb after the the impulse response reverb. So you Ah, can make it longer. Get a little bit more. Oh, nice. Get a little get a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, if you get one, I'll send you some patches. Yeah. Including the help new one. (laughs) <laughs> that sounds like something you could really uh freak people out by uh, but yeah. we're running that but it's interesting isn't I'll it when you kind of like, take a, run run a synth through a symbol sample and you get some really interesting yes. comey stuff yeah really fascinating yes. ways of- or um or take a regular reverb and um fm modulate it and then put it back in okay Getting some it'll, ideas, it'll yeah. mainly be the white noise components of that modulation, but it will be a very different sound or, you know, or capture a train in a tunnel or whatever, you know. So it's it's very creative way of doing things. Nice one. Okay, well, that, I mean, uh, rather uh, uh, excitingly and uh, um, unexpectedly, we seem to have got to our kind of allotted time, which is amazing. So I'm really <laughs> pleased that we managed to, well, to talk. It's been very easy to talk to. I'm glad to have you on as a guest. You must come on again. It was, uh, I, I no hope worries. everybody's enjoyed Anytime. that. It's been really, really good. Um, so, yeah, uh, so... Uh, there was something wrong with my Lynx um, machine today, so I knew something wouldn't work. But I'll, I'll get all of that stuff in the show notes because uh, generally this is supposed to post everything in real time. So there's a link at the time the video goes out, sure. but I'll have to go and look at that. And it makes all the YouTube chapters for me automatically. But I'm hoping that part's work because that is a real pain yes. to do afterwards. Uh, but yes, thank you. And thank you all our friends over in the chat rooms, uh, the YouTubers, uh, the the IRC and the the, the Twitch and uh, everywhere else that we're streaming. Thank you very much for joining us. I hope uh, you've enjoyed the show. We're back now and uh, we should be... Uh I should be back to my usual bumbling, uh, imbecilic, uh, technical um, nonsense. I didn't mess up as much as I thought I would this week, but uh, I'm, I'm sure there's still time for me to get back to that. Sure. Uh, Paulie, thank you so much. So where should people go? Uh, where's your music? Where's, where's the things that uh, we need to... Uh, on on Facebook, my my Amiga project is called Vogue Renegade. You can probably see it there. Vogue, as in Vogue Renegade. Vogue, oh, Renegade. Vogue Renegade. As in Renegade. to Renegade on it. It's a kind of a scathing take on how fashion goes out of fashion very quickly. You know, gotcha. like you've I'll reneged. There we go. Vogue Renegade. I'm, I'm posting that now into the. Uh, um, got that. And the other one, of course, is look up uh, Arcade Dreams, the Arcade Dreams documentary. And you can, um, that will probably be coming out at some point next year, maybe late this year, early next year. And that will have a, a great deal of um, different genres of music in it. Maybe you'll you be, want to contribute something. <laughs> you're, testing, you're testing up, you'll, you'll, you'll be uh, flexing your jazz licks, will you? Be, um... Definitely. I've already done a bit of jazz for it, so that's that's pretty cool. I'm thinking it's, if it's you're covering nice. early century, you're gonna be into ukuleles and uh and, and sort cool. of gramophone type stuff. Wax cylinders. Cool. <laughs> yeah, Stop wax that. cylinders. Maybe some uh, maybe some uh, early kind of Ons Martino kind of electronic oh, good, music. Good well. call. One thing they had me do quickly was um uh Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue has gone out of copyright. So they're making me do Rhapsody (laughs) in Blue on arcade sound effects, you know, you know, just, it sounds chaotic. Well, I I can imagine you get the square wave, you can get the square square wave clarinet, couldn't you? So you've got that, that's in the bag. (laughs) 
Or was that was that was it a clarinet or was it a a a, a, a trumpet? It was the sleaziest clarinet in history. That that yes. real big, you know, um, uh, yeah. slide up to that note. So, it's gone, so literally just gone out of copyright. Wow, that's interesting. I wonder if that kind of drives soundtracks as well. People have been waiting. We won't Maybe. make this, we won't release the film until this, which we want to use as a theme tune, isn't going to cost so us funny. half a million quid. I suppose yeah. the problem is, is uh, they couldn't use a recording because that would still be in copyright, but the your yeah. version. So it's up to Not you now to create a 20... My sacrilegious destroying of Rhapsody and Blue is going to be a 21st absolute. century, yeah. 22nd, so where are we? Are we in the 22nd century? 2020, no, 21st, aren't we? Yeah, I'm... We're in the 21st century, I believe. Yeah, need to do that. Well, <laughs> mate, well, you do the 22nd century one then, and then it'll be ready sure. for your Yeah, offspring. well, the world will just about be ready for the, um, the thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paulie, thank you so much for being with us. It's been great fun. Um, really enjoyed that, so uh, nice to have yes. you. And uh, we'll, like I say, thanks to everybody. And I guess what we do is I uh, press this button here. I, we haven't got four up, we've got two up. But we say goodbye and we say thank you very much to everybody and we'll see you all next time. Oh yeah, don't forget, I keep forgetting this. If you want to join us on Patreon, I promise there's more stuff coming. Patreon.com Sonic State. We're going to have some kick samples and I think some of Jim's patches for the Jupiter 4 Cloud will be up there as well. So uh, do join us. Anyway, that's back to uh, us here and I can press, I think I press this button and it ends. See you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.